0: Welcome everybody to the Robert John and the Rec Podcast. We are a five piece rock and roll band from Orange County, California that travels the world eating local foods, drinking local drinks and melting faces. I'm Steve. I'm Warren. I'm Andrew. And I'm Henry. And this is episode number 104. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome everybody. We are off to the
1: races. 104. Let's get it. Yeah. Getting the real numbers. And, you know, I think it, it, it goes to say that we've had some pretty awesome guests on this podcast. Out of doing 104 of them, if you guys have not gone back and checked out the back catalog, there are some pretty killer musicians and just important people to the band yeah. that uh, you guys should go and check out because, it, yeah.
2: It will be fun. I think what we're going to start doing, what we're going to start having to do is just, like, preload interviews with people we meet on festival dates because there's going to be a bunch of people at festival dates who are never going to get a chance to talk to in real life who are doing things. So we just have to like, you know, grab people we meet backstage and go like, Hey, do you want to do an interview for like 10 minutes?
0: <laughs> hey, do you want to come to our van? that will be fun. We do <laughs> we do like uh, the van, the van Vant- Vant- views. Man. We'll call them the van views. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
2: It'll just give us an opportunity to, uh, take a bathroom break on these long like two-hour podcasts here. <laughs> we're gonna play this interview we did with uh victor wainwright um yeah, who is incredible um, by the way we're gonna get refills anyways how was our weekend guys because we all spent this weekend together
0: it was epic we were up at the mammoth lakes bluesa palooza and bluesa palooza What was the official name war
1: the official name was the Mammoth Mammoth Lakes Festival of Brews and Bluesa Palooza. Nice. Yeah,
3: I I had it ready, but <laughs> you beat me to it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that was incredible. It was really nice to really nice to get out of town with all you dudes and and travel again and and have a whole weekend together in the Just dust in the and the trees and the mountain altitude and the air and. Crazy. Had some uh some very cool things happen that we'll I'll let you guys get into.
2: Thanks, Greg. Greg said bless you, even though I muted my uh, <laughs> I think everyone saw me sneeze. <laughs> he literally just texted it to me too. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Greg. That's awesome. That's a fan right there.
2: Uh why don't you guys start? Because I'm definitely gonna have, you know, my two cents to say about this weekend. So start her off, Steve.
0: I enjoyed the festival very much so it was very fun I feel like the entire event was laid out really well um, on like the non musical side of things like the production aspects of it were really cool um, the whole festival to me had like a really good flow and with they had a bunch of different uh, vendors there food and merchandise and uh, pop-up stores and stuff and then also a shit ton of breweries um, our friends docent Brewing was there as well as our friends at Laguna Beach Beer Company, and that uh, it was really neat to uh, to be able to listen to music and also like actually get some hang time with them and drink their amazing beer up in the trees and all that. So, and the bands were absolutely incredible. Victor Wainwright and the Train uh, was probably my my uh, my biggest uh, takeaway. Uh, from from the Fest as far as uh, new bands that I hadn't heard that I really fucking enjoyed. So they were great. And Victor just, dude, he shreds on keys. And it was amazing. I got to talk with uh, his guitar player, Pat, for a long time backstage. And the the guys are all super nice. And I'm really hoping that we can work together again. Yeah, War, what about you?
1: Uh, yeah, I I also had a great time up at the Mammoth, Balooza Palooza. Um <clears throat> For all of the those who don't know, it was up in Mammoth Lakes, California, which is about a five and a half hour drive from where we live. Um, the lineup was Robert Cray, Larkin Poe, Vintage Trouble, the record company, Dumpster Funk, the Motet, and many more. Um, so it was cool to be a part of that lineup. Uh, I love getting up into the the mountainy areas during the summer. I, I think I like it better than being up there during the snow. Um, the only downfall is, uh, there's a huge fire going on right now in California. So, uh, the smoke was blowing in the first couple days. Um, and it's unfortunate that, uh, California is on fire again. Uh, I think this is like the third largest fire in the history of the state, but anyway, other than that, it was, it was great. It's really good. Like Steve said, to be able to hang out with the band we got an Airbnb. We hung out for the whole weekend. It wasn't just a drive-in and drive-out sort of date, um, which is also cool because I feel like we, like Steve said, we hang out with the other bands. We hang out with the the staff, the people who work there. Yeah. Um, and then all of, uh, all of our favorite beer companies from California were up there. So there was a lot of cool things going on and a lot of people to hang out with. Um, and then the music was great. The vibe was cool wasn't too crowded. It didn't feel I don't know. It wasn't crazy. They had a weekend. Uh I thought everybody loved us. It was a it was a fun set. Fun two sets that we gotta play. <clears throat> and uh our set actually got extended because some people had dropped out. So we got to play longer than anticipated, which is always great for us. Um so and then we even gotta see some of our, our our dedicated fans like uh like Bruce out there. Um, so it was a very, very great weekend. There was so much to be said, but uh, I don't want to keep going on. So, Henry, what did you think about this weekend?
3: I um, had two or three big takeaways from this weekend. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, okay, okay. I just felt like I, something weird happened real quick. Okay, um, I had two major takeaways from this weekend. Uh, first was that I tried Gator for the first time. Nice. Okay, let's make that. Let's make that three. Um, <laughs> I also had a delicious Latin fusion burrito from uh, Rolling Chef Three Nine Five. Yes, and I got myself some pretty sweet mm. sterling silver rings. Got a tree of life on the pinky. Got this cool Viking design on the uh, middle finger. It looks like something out of Skyrim. Was really vibing with it, so I went ahead and pulled the trigger on it.
2: That one and, almost uh, looks like the Earth Mother logo.
3: Could be, almost. Yeah, could be. I like that one. One's bitching. Um, it's fun. It's pretty cool stuff. Um, and then also, uh, you know, all the great beer there, um, which we'll get into in a sec here. Um, and of course, uh, on Saturday night, uh, was it Saturday? Yeah, Saturday was when we played. Uh, we saw Dumpster Funk from backstage. And I've never seen them before, and they absolutely destroyed my brain. And uh, <laughs> especially when they whipped out the Sly and the Family Stone cover of the song, In Time, which was unbelievable. Um, that's, that's probably my favorite Sly song, and uh, obviously just completely destroyed it. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, great time, great great weekend with everybody. And uh, how about you, Andrew? Dumpster funk also covered soul vaccination, and that's the one
2: that like yeah. d- destroyed my brain, and they were yeah, they were like ridiculous. they were probably my favorite being of the weekend, even though everyone's amazing. Dumpster funk's just so different, and I feel like every every musician wants to be something else if you if you always hear like the people who like talk about all the basketball players want to be rappers. And all the rappers want to be, you know, basketball players or everyone wants something different than what they have or what they ended up in. So I feel like a lot of us listen to like a lot of funk and a lot of stuff in that like R and B world, mm-hmm. even though we play rock and roll. And just to see them do that at that high level and stuff like that, their horn section too is ridiculous. They're just taking like massive New Orleans style solos and stuff like that. Which just is to something to down.
1: Something to be said at 8,000 feet in elevation. Yeah, holy
0: shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, we were seeing the bass player Dumpsterfuck take hits off the oxygen tank <laughs> and then just perfectly be still playing in time. Oh, that's weird to say, too, because they had like, they just threw around. There's like maybe four main guys that like would throw around who's playing bass, who's playing guitar, and who is singing. So that was super cool, too.
0: Ivan Neville on, uh, on keyboards was such a treat to watch, man. Shit that he That's was doing legendary. with like clavinet and stuff, yeah, dude. Oh my gosh, that was that was such a treat. Yeah,
1: and I think it's his is it his son or his grandson that plays guitar too. The the kid who's playing rhythm guitar, oh, I'm not sure. I think it's
3: his Let me grandson. With research, Randy and see Pretty what sure. he has to say about it.
0: Uh,
2: there's another thing that happened this weekend. I don't know if anyone <laughs> saw it on social media, but what, I got engaged. Yeah. yeah. So, I lied to On my stage. girlfriend and told her that we were filming a music video, and that she had to help us film it with the other girls' uh, girlfriends and fiancés Woo! that were there.
4: I'm crashing the podcast. Yeah. No, Yell at me later because we're engaged now. Oh, that was awesome.
2: Great. <laughs> I should have locked the door. anyways so it's funny i saw the video that she actually was taking because she was filming and because steve started playing you could see me go for the ring on the side and then she just stares right at steve and she was super focused on like getting the (laughs) shot for whatever music video we were talking about and because steve is the only one playing because steve is basically like playing the background music she wasn't even looking at me at all. And you could, like, see it through this camera point of view, and it's hilarious. That's amazing. And she still didn't know what I was doing when I went down there. She was still looking through her camera lens. And you could see me open the box through the camera lens. And that's when she goes, like, are you are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and so she was, like, below the stage. So we both went up on the stage, and I proposed. Hell yeah. How is it from your guys' perspective? Because I didn't know where she was, and War had to tell me because I was like looking around the whole stage and I couldn't find her. Well, that was part of the thing was I think
1: the idea was that the girls were gonna do the fake video shoot on the stage, and it, it broke down, and I could see you looking around, and I was like, She is at the front of the stage, she's like in the dirt, like she's not on the stage, so you had to like run out there. But yeah, I don't know. From my perspective, it was pretty awesome. I don't think I've ever... Well, I, I've i obviously never played a gig where somebody <laughs> got engaged before, let alone one of the band members. Yeah. Um. And it was cool because we had the idea that, you know, right before we did it, Robert was like, hey, you, you. if you want to bust out your phone, we're going to film the, the part of this song. Um. And the whole banister was lined with people. So they were like probably six or seven different shots of people on the banister that also got the engagement photos. Um, so I think that was really cool too, that you probably have 500 camera angles of that. Um,
2: yeah. It was pretty, I got a bunch pretty cool. Of people moment. who were there, like uh, OC people who had talked to me afterwards and like gave me their videos and stuff like that. So I have a bunch of cool ones. Nice. Like one of the shots is all from far away. So you can just see the jumbotron. I got, like, basically, our, our friend from OC, Palm Tree, took, like, the perfect video. It's just a, everything you'd want to see. And I feel like I'll, like, compile them together or something like that, because there's so many funny point-of-view shots mm-hmm. that you have to, like, watch all of them, and then they make this, like, funny story, especially when I watched the one that Amanda took. I was like, you got to be kidding me. This could not be more perfect, like, you know. Anyways,
0: <laughs> it'll, it'll come out uh Cool. Yeah, I was just trying not to cry and like hold time and <laughs> and be supportive on, on my on my keyboard interlude there. Um it was funny. I was I was talking with Robert afterwards and, and uh and Robert, uh for those of you if if you're wondering, uh, Robert is packing tonight to head out for his honeymoon tomorrow uh with his wife. And uh we hope that he has a great time on his honeymoon, which is gonna be great. We were talking about uh, about it afterwards and <laughs> how hard it was to like continue with the song once you got back up on the drums and stuff because we were all just it was like all the memories flooding in and like trying to sing the high notes and your throat's all choking up and stuff it was it was a really beautiful moment man that was really cool yeah it was awesome thank thank you for for uh to you and amanda for for letting us be a part of that that was very special congratulations Dudo, yeah. thank
2: you guys for being a part of that yeah man and you guys nailed it like robert nailed it and then steve you nailed it with like the underscoring stuff and yeah, it was just awesome. And then, yeah, just to have all that support there and for us to just jump right back into it when we were done, you know? Yeah. I thought
3: that was the coolest part was, it was like you extended that little interlude, Steve, yeah. where everything dropped out and then let everybody kind of have their moment. And then Andrew just got right back on the drums we picked up right where we left
0: off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. Oh, it, it was but, funny, but, too, because. But, 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 yeah. Before <laughs> the. Uh, <laughs> Before before, before we, we went and played, um, Andrew was giving Amanda kind of the rundown right. of, you know, how we were going to shoot this music video and everything, and, and Amanda just had all these questions about, she was like, yeah. well, does the stage crew know <laughs> that we're going to be up there? Like, if you want us up there, like, we have to make sure to tell them, like, like who's getting what coverage of which person on what shot and everything? <laughs> I had to walk away because I, I was just smiling too yeah. big. I was like, dude, I'm going to blow it. I'm chasing yeah. too hard.
3: Yeah. I had to really pull out my poker face on that one. I was like, every time she was she'd really bring up, be like, being like, Oh my God. Um, she learned from very the like
2: leader-y to the yeah. other yeah. girlfriends. Yes. <laughs> they already were in on it. Yeah. I had yeah. already told them what was going on. So Amanda was just like very intensely yeah. telling us, okay, we're going to do a video shoot and we're going to do like, we've we only got one shot angles. at and this. Like, oh yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> She's like, You guys are taking this very
1: seriously.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, so fun,
1: and they said that was the what the second proposal they had one like ten years ago or, or something. Third,
2: but they said it'd been like ten years since someone had proposed to someone at the Mammoth Blues Festival, and That's they awesome. said they've been doing the festival for
3: like twenty twenty five years, so yeah. it's
2: pretty good. This was the
3: twenty fifth twenty uh, fifth festival actually this year, yeah, which is pretty cool. And speaking of the festival, research Randy just got back to me. Uh, Ian Neville, the guitarist of Dumps Funk. Is actually Ivan Neville's cousin. Nice. Oh. And Ivan Neville is the son of Aaron Neville, who sang a lot of the uh, Neville brothers' hits in uh, the 60s. He a very recognizable voice. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. And Tony Hall on
3: bass and guitar. Yeah. And I can't remember what the bass player's name is, but he's Killing Till. Yeah. They were switching it around. It was very cool. And speaking of the festival, what is a good festival without good beer? And uh, I just so happen to be drinking one of my acquisitions from the festival itself. Mm. The Mammoth Brewing Co. Mammoth Pilsner, which is extremely delicious. Great job. What about you, Andrew? I'm just drinking water.
2: Um, We didn't really finish talking about the whole weekend, but uh, we played two shows that day. One was in the bigger outdoor giant stage one was at the smaller stage and both of them were really fun but uh something about uh that night just did something weird to me and i I feel like i got sick that next day and so we had to play one more show at jam in the van which might come out in like six months or something like that you guys will see it (laughs) because who knows when those things get uh finished but uh i had to I didn't drink all day on Sunday because I was feeling under the weather and I'm taking it off again today because I was feeling under the weather. So today is just water for me. War, what are you drinking?
1: I am drinking water as well. I've already finished it. I've finished like two or three of these things in the last couple hours. It was it was great to be in the mountains, but it was very dry and it was very dusty. Uh, <laughs> everything, all my clothes are covered in dust. My shoes are covered in like dust. And so, um, it was great because mammoth brewery provided beer backstage for the whole event. I've never had their beer before. And like Henry said, the Pilsner is great. The IPA is great. Uh, their brewery is awesome. Has really good food. Um, really cool vibe there. But as soon as I got home, I took a shower and drank as much water as I could to try to revive myself from the dust and the dryness and the altitude. Although I loved it. Um, it was just a little, I don't know, today's a water day for me. So what about you, Steve?
0: <laughs> I'm drinking a White Claw. Um, the uh we we did get some acquisitions from from the festival uh, that were, were very generously given, uh, and uh, I have some uh, Juneshine. Uh, Juneshine was sponsoring uh, Jam in the Van, and uh, so I've got some Juneshine, but uh, there was no room in my fridge, so I decided to make some room by drinking the White Claws that are in there. So I'm on like my fourth one for today, and I feel like I haven't drank anything, which is kind of the whole benefit of drinking White Claws, I guess. So... <laughs> Yeah. And this is the Ruby Grapefruit, uh, mine and Henry's favorite, by the yes. way. Yes. If, if you're wondering, nice one. it is the best one. I know some people absolutely hate them. And if it's you very hate controversial them, topic. you can, uh, you can <laughs> give them to me or Henry. We will take them off yeah. your hands gladly. Yeah. If you
3: don't have a grapefruit, <laughs> just give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> I will take it. That's great. Oh, there
2: were a couple more festival highlights for me. Sure. So, number one, and this is probably not to anyone else, but just because he's, it's uh, someone I saw when I was really young, was Lawrence Juber, who was oh, a guitar player, yeah. used to play for oh, Wings, yeah. And just, like, a, a master of sort of, like, solo guitar arrangement stuff, and that's, like, his specialty. He does, He did a whole record of Beatles tunes that is, like, amazing. It's just basically, like... Something you'd play at a wedding while people are walking in. But it's just, uh, if you actually look at someone play those things, it's like, you have to be a master. You have to basically like compose something like that. Yeah,
5: it's totally mind He does mind all these bending. guitar
2: rags and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like um, like ragtime guitar music and uh, all these cool soul arrangements. So he is freaking phenomenal at that kind of stuff. We actually got to see him play electric too, which yeah. I think he is a little more in his element in the uh, solo guitar world. But uh, he sounded great playing solos as well, so that was super cool. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't get to see a lot of Larkin pose set, but I felt like they. The only time I saw them before was on the cruise, and on the cruise they were on like a. Uh, uh, like a show stage. It felt like yeah, a like musical a, stage or like something a theater, like that, yeah. like a, something you'd see at a theater. And just the sound in there for everyone was not very full. It just felt like, um, very light. And to hear them on the festival stage, like a good sound system. Like I didn't watch a ton of their set, but my God, like what was coming through that speakers was like so much energy and they killed yeah. it. I can't say enough good things about them and that set. So,
3: Yeah, they work the crowd really well, too. Do all that sort of shit. Another cool thing for me was uh, getting to see Robert Cray. Um, Yeah. My dad introduced me to his music when I was first starting out on guitar. And um, I've always thought he kind of put an interesting spin on that sort of generation of players and say the early early eighties and and whatnot and um got introduced to you know his his hits like Smoking Gun and things like that and uh it was just really cool to get to see him perform. Um and especially at the age he's at now, like he's in his sixties at least, I would guess. And uh man, just, just smooth as butter both his playing and singing. Like we're as good as they've ever been. Um and he has such a unique style. It's very, very tasteful and while it's not as, say, like, heavy or rocking as other people, it's still very, like, very musical, fluid, very melodic. Um Funky. I really, really enjoyed yeah. yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed him watching, you know, the chemistry with his band. And and uh, it was a cool moment for me, definitely, because it was somebody that um, I was shown when, you know, I was first coming up as a musician. And, and uh, I... I believe I got to meet his guitar tech on the cruise, uh, his guitar tech, Zach. I believe I saw him backstage. I did not, unfortunately, get a chance to talk to him before he left because it looked like he was kind of busy. So, But, you know, Zach, if you see this, it was good to see you. Um, I knew you were there. I knew it was you. I should have said <laughs> hi, but I looked like you were busy. And uh, maybe next time. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was a, a long weekend. weekend today, guys. It was a
0: long, <laughs> weekend. long weekend. Yeah, we left uh we left Mammoth about 14 hours ago? Yeah. So 6 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so it was 15 actually. 15 hours why. ago. Yeah. We're all just kind of staring at the You know what can fix
3: place. that?
0: Ooh. A what's bit that? Of
3: music. <laughs> Boom. Well, I uh I had to kinda throw this one together but um this is somebody that i've neglected to include on my playlist so far and uh, i found a good reason for it today uh today is you are in the pacific time zone or uh, basically anywhere other than east coast time zone and later um it's august 9th and that is the what is it the 26th anniversary of the day that jerry garcia passed away and um i think in this band the grateful dead is sort of a i don't want to say controversial but it's very you know there's very like interesting opinions we've actually talked about the grateful dead a lot and um i think regardless of what we may think of them you know and i would say for me maybe some of the recordings may be inconsistent here and there there's sort of a kind of generally recognized glory day of of their existence as a band and, and kind of wildly inconsistent live performances but they have written some incredibly good songs um, and and really classic stuff. Um, and Jerry Garcia is in no way, shape or form, you know, a, a huge part of that for sure. And um, what I sort of wanted to touch on is his solo albums, um, which I actually really enjoy. Um, in some ways, I actually enjoy them more than Grateful Dead records, uh, just because it's It's a little bit more focused in in some areas and uh, it really kind of also focuses on his collaboration with the lyricist, Robert Hunter. Um, So the song that I want to play or listen to today is off of Jerry Garcia's first solo album called Garcia, which was released in 1972. And this is the last song on this record and it is called the wheel and it features Jerry Garcia on bass Uh, electric guitar and pedal steel guitar and grateful dead drummer Bill Kreutzman on the drums take it away sorry did you, you probably said it already but what year did uh, this come out 72
2: 1972 where so, sorry you may have explained this too sure i'm, I'm not being good i was looking at more stuff about dumpster funk yeah that's okay
3: <laughs> but uh I, I, yeah. I was doing that too so it's not just uh, <laughs>
2: <one>. <laughs> did so Jer, did jerry make the solo record just when he was in the dead
3: uh, yeah, I mean, he was still in the dead at the time that he made that solo record, but I think they were on some kind of a break of some sort. Um, he recorded it pretty quickly. Uh, it basically it like a Ross and
2: Rachel kind of thing.
3: Uh, I guess I don't know. I don't know what that means, but
2: <laughs> well, goddamn millennial.
1: So, <laughs> it's interesting that it came out in '72 because there's and and I wanted to touch on this. I I love I love. Europe '72 by the Grateful Mm -hmm. Dead because it is one of the tours that they did where they only featured Bill Kreutzmann on the drums Mm -hmm. and um, and I love the Grateful Dead and all the different eras and all that sort of stuff but I love the simplicity of having the one drummer because it kind of shows you especially back in '72 when Bill Kreutzmann was still a a fresh young lad it kind of shows you how good of a of a of a rhythm keeper he was and it kind of lets i don't know that that era of the dead with one drummer and that specifically europe 72 is just has some really cool stuff on there with the one drummer yeah and my dad had told me that something had happened where um, mickey hart's dad was managing the band or something like that um and he ended up I think he ended up stealing a bunch of money from the grateful dead or like ripping them off somehow. And at that time, Mickey Hart was like really distraught by it. And there was some sort of tension between it. And that's why he didn't go on that tour. And I think that that probably has something to do with, there was maybe some sort of slowed down or like, they probably reeled it back into, I don't know, to figure whatever they needed to figure out. But that era, that 72 era, mickey had like kind of taken a back seat on the band for a little bit for whatever reason that was
3: well what, what was what was interesting was at that around that same period of time in 72 uh bob weir's solo album uh ace also came out which is the album that has playing in the band on it and mickey Hart also released a solo album called rolling thunder in that same like the early part of 1972 did you do you know if did uh,
1: did Bill Kreutzmann play on that entire Jerry album? Because yes, yeah, he I was love the, that
3: album. Yeah, uh, he was first the, couple songs are funky as fuck. Yeah, super cool. There's there's that one, and then um, the the self titled Garcia album, and there's also Compliments, which is the one that's like the cartoon of him on the cover, and that one has that one's mostly covers, but I really like that one as well. But I just I wanted to feature something that that was his songwriting as opposed to like a cover. Yeah. Um but, but I love both those records are really really great. Yeah, and and again I think it's cool to highlight
1: his pedal steel playing too mm-hmm. because he you know has played on some uh historic stuff with Crosby Stills Nash Young yes. and a bunch of other stuff in between. I think you you played something else that he had played pedal steel on that wasn't Crosby Stills Nash Young was it? it,
3: it? Well, it was David Crosby's solo album. Oh, okay. Uh, which is almost it it basically just features sort of one aspect of their sound in it. Um, but he played pedal steel on that record on the song that I featured on here. Um, which again, it, it's really interesting to hear his style because it's, it's not, uh, like you can tell it's a pedal steel, but it's, it's very unique. And, and somehow it translates in a way where you're like, Oh, that has to be Jerry Garcia. Even if you don't know, initially that he even plays pedal studio. You're like, man, that sounds like, it just sounds like Jerry Garcia. I just feel mm-hmm. like I smoked a joint listening to this song, <laughs> listening to this solo just now. I know
0: I've heard this before somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. It's very familiar. Yeah. Which is also his
1: guitar playing is like mm-hmm. one of the most familiar, I feel like too. Right. Um, Immediately recognizable. Yeah, totally. And he had a, and I I like how you brought up the, you know, his solo stuff because he still had a really amazing run of Jerry Garcia albums and Jerry Garcia band albums that are also super, super funky that I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like isn't as highlighted as much with the, uh, with the Grateful Dead, especially some of that Merle and Jerry stuff. It gets really uh, almost kind of like the, uh, the who just played the uh, mammoth that we were just talking about. Robert Cray, kind of like that sort of like funky bluesy thing.
0: We got a question in the comments about uh, if we've, have we ever been to Bob Weir or Phil Lesh's venues in Marin? Um, I think this, I'm not sure if, if, uh, if Warren and Henry were in the band when we went, but we did go uh, one year on our way up the coast. Uh, We stopped in at the Sweetwater Music Hall in Mill Valley to see our friends, uh, the Delta Saints. We were doing a, a West Coast run with, uh, play. Uh, they were supporting Planet of the Apps, I believe. Yeah, it was right? Matt
2: Apps from Government Mule yeah. solo project, but it was Matt and uh, Juergen from yeah. uh, the bass player from Government Mule. Yeah, just destroying on some Government Mule type stuff with a different guitar player. That was such a fun show. I don't show. remember who it is at this
0: point, but and a really cool venue, too. If uh, if y'all haven't been there out there, go check it out because uh, I don't know if it's open, but I'm sure you can uh, ask your own research, Randys. But really nice spot. I would love to play yeah, there I remember someday. It being
2: a really nice, like very new looking venue. Yeah, great sound, like great stage, and then uh, like just north of San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. Like not, like a that not was like Western
0: Sausalito, 100. right? Yeah, right, right up there in, in uh, Mill Valley. Yeah,
2: it was a gorgeous little mountain town. Mm-hmm. Like it was super cool. So I I, I loved everything about that venue. Tell to book us. <laughs> yeah, please. Get Bob Weir so on the fun. phone. Hey Bobby! Hey, Bobby. That's always the uh the all in all the John Mayer interviews, he calls Bob Weir Bobby. So like, <laughs> oh, cool, you just get Bobby over here and, and talk
0: about watches. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> Oh, man. What podcast was that that was the Watch podcast with John Mayer? It was uh, oh,
2: a Mark, Mark Maron. Mark Maron? It wasn't Maron. It wasn't Maron. It was the other guy. Uh, Dean Del Rey. De- Dean Del uh, Rey. Thank you. Yeah. This isn't a knock on either of them. I think Dean Del Rey was just nervous. And then so he just wanted to talk about whatever John Mayer wanted to talk about that moment. And John Mayer is just obviously obsessive about everything and loves everything to like a crazy level. So we just started talking about watches and it was just 40 to 60 minutes on 10,000 to $1 yeah. million dollar watches. And it was like,
0: I remember waking oh, up, waking up from sleeping in the van, falling asleep, waking up, falling asleep again, like four times. And they were still talking about watches.
2: All right. Yeah. I, I have a funny topic for tonight. And I think it reminded me because every time we play these festivals or shows, like they do pretty good at catering or, uh, Asking, uh, like, getting stuff that we had requested on a writer or something like that, yeah. and then um, we've gotten really good at like planning ahead and going like, oh, we should just like take all these waters because I have to buy, you know, if I don't take waters with me or whatever, I'm gonna buy water at a gas station that's gonna be like four dollars or something like yeah. that because it's a gas station. So let me just snag all these waters and throw them in my bag and I'll have them for the next couple days. Or it'll be like a bowl of fresh fruit. and We'll like eat that in the van for a week or something. So like we've gotten the sixth sense for snagging a bunch of shit backstage. And I didn't even (laughs) think about it this time because it's just in my nature now. So I took like whatever, two, six packs of beer or like the four packs of the mammoth beer while we're drinking the mammoth beer tonight. And I think we went home with like, I don't know. 16 to 24 big mammoth tall cans, (laughs) Uh, because we were like just I just kept stashing. I'm like I don't know we might need it later, and if we had later nights, like I think everyone was just tired when we got home. But if we got home, like there would be, and we were drinking, those things would be gone in a flash. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, what? And then this could be like uh, something else too. This could be like memorabilia or things like that. What have you? What's the weirdest thing, or what's the thing you like love the most that you took from a venue, either in like a, in a, like nostalgia sort of way, like you took something from there, um, or a, like, oh my god, I just love these cookies and they gave us a bunch of them and I wasn't supposed to take <laughs> it. No, I, I just took the rest of them.
0: I'll start with these ones. I I have a uh, a collection of of show badges and stuff this isn't all of them i've got a lot more back up at my parents house but pretty much any event that i work if there's if there's a badge then uh then i'll i'll take one we didn't get lanyards for this one though um so i asked one of the uh, uh one of the staff workers i was like hey do you guys have like any lanyards or anything like and she just ended up giving me the one like off her person and stuff which was really nice so i'm going to i'm going to take the uh the the uh the badge that we got, and actually put it on like a piece of paper and tuck it in there and add it to the collection because like, it's the first thing that I see when I walk into my room and stuff. And uh, like there's some Schnook Fest ones in here and the uh, Banamasa Blues Cruise and stuff, and like Oktoberfest, and you know, all this different shit. It's fun. Um, it, it always reminds me of like where I've been and what I've done. And if I'm having a shitty day, I'm like, oh yeah, that was fun. That was a, a good good memory to lift my spirits and stuff when I when I got I home.
2: do also have my thing of those lanyards somewhere. We probably have a lot of the same ones. Do you have one? Let's see if I can check. Let, let me see. Do you have the one from the I'll Iowa just, River
0: Rock Festival? I, I do. Here's the the Toto one from the live stream, and then Chinook. I saw a nam badge in there. Yeah. <coughs> yep. Oh, the NYTV Fest uh, out in New York with work buds. That was cool. Uh, what was this one? Oh, this was our uh, our Live from Hawaii show one that we got. <laughs> we had one for that? We had one for that? Yeah, I, I guess we did because I have it here. Beating the geese. Yeah, River Roots live. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. That was nuts. I, I put that one, uh, yeah. And then the Bonamassa Cruise. I have uh, one from each of those. A bunch of snook fest I ones have Bonamassa from cruise. I have over my, the years. I, and I've got, i 've like got like, so this was heads. this was two <laughs> two little uh, uh finishing nails full of them, and then i 've got two more over on the side too yeah that 's awesome that 's that 's what I try to grab uh most of the time or like any little like placards or memorabilia stuff from like the show that like especially like out in europe and stuff i 'll come back and it'll just be a bunch of flyers and shit that were like out on table for, for people to know what 's going on like that month or something but it 's got like us in German with the you know our name and stuff—it's just kind of cool memorabilia that lifts my spirits when they are weakened.
2: <laughs> um, nice. I have a kind of weird one, and I could do a couple of these. Like, we don't have to do one, but um, we are in a venue in in Veert—that's in the Netherlands, right? Yeah, Viert, Netherlands. Yeah. that's where we're playing um, the big festival at box. the
0: uh, Music Centrum de Bozil, is um, where we've been playing.
2: And they had like a pretty good backstage assortment, but they had these things that were like. I think they called them toffees, but they were like for the US people. If you've ever had those Tootsie Roll flavor rolls, mm-hmm. which is really funny because they got us this at the Mammoth Festival. I took a bunch of those too because I love them. But they're just like um, little waxy things that taste like fruit. And they had a bowl of them. And it was obviously a bowl where you're just supposed to like, take a couple. I think at the end of the night I was like eating so many of these things. I just took the whole bowl and dumped it into my backpack. (laughs) I was like, oh man, I just really love these things. I didn't take the whole ones. I think I ate them for like a week after that or something like that. There was just like these little waxy orange. Lemon and lime like flavored candies and I could not it's like, get yeah, of them. It
0: it reminds me of like what everybody's grandma or, or aunt would have in their purse like when you were growing up. It's like here, kid, have a little treat. And it was always that one that like looked like a, a watermelon or looked like a strawberry on the wrapper or something.
2: Yeah, those rules.
0: Yeah, those are delicious. Or
2: do you have anything like that that you <clears throat> took from a venue? It could be a collectible, it could be um,
1: stuff. I'm trying to think. Uh I remember like the first time we did a, a Europe run, and you guys would be like, "All right, before we go, like, load up on snacks." Like, you know, we don't know where we are if there's going to be a place up. And I remember one time in particular, I think we dumped a bunch of candy into Henry's backpack. I and mean, Henry roomed together, and like two nights later, he's like, "Why the fuck do I have all this candy in my backpack? Like, like <laughs> who's going to fucking that? eat all this shit? This is fucking stupid." ripped <laughs> <laughs> <We totally laughs> <dumped laughs> it
3: all out. I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah, pissed. yeah. i don't like candy at all like i i literally do not like it at all and i, I like opened my backpack and it like was taking up all the space <laughs> that was supposed to be for like pedals or whatever because i don't think i had a pedal board <laughs> at that time and i just look in the case and it's just filled with all this random like candy shit and I was like I was probably like drunk too. Cause it was probably after a show and I look in my bag and I'm like,
0: why the fuck, why is this in here? I, I guarantee we were drunk as well. Cause otherwise like we probably wouldn't have filled an entire back no, backpack. full of really
2: <laughs> Just put it in there.
1: <laughs> but yeah. with that being said, I do love the, the, the Haribo, uh, Haribo gu- gummy bears that they, they have out in Europe everywhere. So if those are backstage, I'll try to put a couple in my pockets. Um, and then I like just, like, uh, I like the collectible sort of stuff. I still have a, a ticket box that I have a lot of my old tickets in. I think we maybe had talked about this on one of podcasts, but I'll try to get either, like, a ticket stub or, like, if we go to a festival, I'll try to get, like, a little flyer or whatever I can to just put in the ticket box. And I don't know. Same with, like, like I still have my Joe Bobbleheads. I have my, my yeah. field trip, docent field trip brewing cup from their festival. I have the I from the 25th anniversary of this Blues Palooza they gave you a little tasting cup that you could get free tastes at every place so I I have one of those um I also like just the weird knick-knacky sort of shit that you can get from um from venues I don't I don't keep at pa- well I guess I do keep a couple passes I put them in my ticket box but yeah I don't know I on the other hand is I I have a ticket box I never know what to do with it and I had a one buddy of mine lay out like a hundred of his tickets just in a frame and just put it on the wall. And I was like, Oh, that would be kind of a cool idea to see shows from, I don't know. I have tickets probably from like middle school. Show,
0: when, but- when I, when I end up buying a house someday, hopefully in the not too distant future, my goal is to, uh, to make a custom like coffee table with like all the patches and like passes and stuff. I think that's cool. Really cool, like to like like lay them in there, like in you know, like an epoxy or something, and and just have that be like here's this cool table with memories.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, There was this other time, and I don't think we told the story because uh, it gets it runs pretty deep, and it runs with the old group of people. So I don't think we'd tell the story that much. Um, But I could tell this piece of the story. So we played at. God, what uh, I can't remember what city is it's in, and maybe Steve will help me. But it was on the first tour we did, Mm. and it was we were supposed to stay upstairs in this weird loft that they had, but it wasn't ready, so we asked them to get us a hotel. Oh, in Europe, a very small town, and then the stage was like really small. It was like an afternoon show.
0: Yeah, I forget the name of the town, but it's oh oh, no, that was in uh, that was in Turnout, Belgium. Okay. There was, so out, it was in out, Belgium, out. And yeah.
2: On our first tour, I was so excited to drink like all the Belgian beers. And at the end of the night we were just drinking at this guy's bar, and this is when we like went for it super way harder. I think it was yeah. it was like, you know, I don't know how old we were, but still had a two in front of my age instead <laughs> of a three. So
0: Yeah.
2: Um I I, I, was, I like, still so I still to-
0: had a two in front of my age as well. I I turned uh I turned to the three that summer.
2: And uh, this this is, like, when if bar owners were like, you guys can have anything you want, like, we took them up on that. Mm-hmm. So, I think, God, there were so many stupid pieces of that night. We... We were, like, pouring beers for ourselves behind the bar. Like, we got behind the bar and started, like, washing dishes and stuff like that. Yeah, they let Chris bartend for, like, 45 minutes. Like, cut their hand or something like that. There's all this, like, weird stuff that happened that night. It was a pretty intense night. But uh, at the end of the night, I remember we were all going home. We were all, like, pretty shit-faced. The (laughs) guy's like, come here. I want to show you something. You're into Belgian beer, right? And he has this, like, cabinet of Belgian beers. And I, I've been to like whatever BevMo, I've been to like all these places where you could see, you know, like a whole shelf of Belgian beer. Mm. There's not like a lot that I could see that's that's new. And he shows me this case he has in the back, this cold case, and the whole fridge is stuff I've never heard of before. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, he's like, take whatever you want. <laughs> wow. And then he just sort of drunkenly stumbles off or whatever. And I had this jacket and i I fit six bottles of Belgian beer just in my uh you know uh jacket from this thing, and like walked home and I remember smuggling all those back through you know u s customs and trying all these like crazy ass Belgian beers when i got home
0: well andrew you've you've always you've always brought back beers like to share and stuff like in in your uh carry on luggage and stuff or or in your check luggage um I remember yeah cuz like most most of the times that we go out on the road like you come back and your your suitcase I don't know how you fit as many beers in your suitcase as you do it's it's kind of a a, a really cool marvel of engineering and uh, and packistry I guess if, yeah, if we can yeah, coin I, that all term all my
2: clothes move into either my drum bucks <laughs> yeah. or my backpack and then my suitcase is all just full of alcohol Yeah I've been That's smuggling amazing. back rum now I'm not as into rum, and I try to just bring wine. But wine's big; Yeah it's all tough. I just try to take pictures of it now and see if we can find it. In the yeah, space. right. Because <laughs> half the time it's just at Bevmo the whole time, and I just never <laughs> knew it existed.
0: Yeah, yeah. That show was crazy too because we we were there pretty much all all day. Like we played it at, at like three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon, and Belgium, you know, they're not like a. They, they don't typically, like, they're not open, like, super, super late like they would be in Spain. Like, you're not partying until, like, 5, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning. But we were definitely there drinking for, you know, as soon as we were done and loaded up into the van until <laughs> the wee hours. Yeah, that was pretty intense. And it right? was all, you know, Belgian beer on tap, which for them is, like, their Budweiser and their, you know, whatever their local... Yeah, you know, domestic is and for us it's just like this is fucking insane we are all completely shit-faced now it was funny <laughs> i remember walking home very disgruntled because i was talking with this girl and then she ended up uh she was like yeah let's go back to like my place and i'm like cool and then i go to the bathroom and i come back out and she's making out with some other dude and i just got pissed and like went home and stuff. That was a weird
2: night. was a weird night. We can't tell the end of that story. No. <laughs> Two stories we can't tell from that.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, Respect the night, the night didn't the... end there, but it was, uh, it was fun. I remember I went back and, and uh, Game of Thrones was still on at that point. And uh, they accidentally leaked an episode online. And so I downloaded it and watched it. And I was like a week ahead of everybody. I was all excited about that. But the show was fun. Manny kicked all of our asses in foosball. As well.
2: Of course. When we yeah. learned How Europeans play foosball. Oh my they God. They play for keeps. know, yeah. <laughs> Screw around with that. I didn't even realize that foosball was
1: played at that level until I saw how they played out there. Yeah.
0: Oh man. I can't wait to get back out there. Create more memories like that with you guys. It's going to be dope.
2: Damn. All right. Maybe Damn. one more piece here. What's one thing that they provide for us backstage somewhere that like we can't get anywhere else. It's like your favorite thing out there. Ooh. I i have I have something that I saw a
1: friend do um, that I thought was very smart, especially for us. This isn't something hard to get or anything like that, but uh, I saw Mark Pacific, our friend who plays bass for Vertical Ryzen, put that he gets 9-volt batteries oh, on nice. the Ryder, which is genius because all of the guitar pedals run with 9-volt batteries, and those can be kind of a pain in the ass to get sometimes so if you can just get a nine volt battery at the venue you're playing every night and put a fresh one in your guitar or in your pedal i think that is a very good use yeah, of that's a writer backstage that's like a super secret
0: i'm making a note right, right now thing. to add that to ours
1: <laughs> it's a very smart move i'm gonna
0: do nine volts and fuses for nord keyboards there you go <laughs> Just to, just to see, like, how specific they get with the writer.
1: But, yeah, I don't know. Not too crazy, but I thought that was a very smart use of a writer. There's also, side note, real quick, anybody who's listening or watching, you can go on the internet right now and you can look up famous writers from different bands, and there are two that stick out that are really, really crazy. One is Iggy Pop's Rider. If you can go find Iggy Pop's Writer on the internet, you read a couple sentences and you will, it's just hysterical and and the Foo Fighters have a a good one too. I'm
0: posting this one in the comments. It's uh, the, (laughs) the, uh, the article title is 17 backstage writers where the artist just took it way too far. (laughs) Should be an interesting read. And uh, for all y'all listening, this will be in the uh, link in the description as well. But yeah, give, give, give it a read. See what, uh yeah, some, some of the, uh, you know you'll you'll you hear all the time about like the brown like no brown m and m s or only brown m and m s and all that kind of stuff and and uh it's it's very interesting to see what some people put on there and for the most part it's like it's not to be outlandish and dickish it's to make sure that people are actually paying attention to you know the the little things and like actually reading through what's going on it's like they don't necessarily i i mean i can't speak for every artist but you know, if I put, hey, you know, we only want blue M and M's, you know, in the in the backstage or something like that. And we put it on a writer. If we get an email about it, like I know that somebody did their job and actually read it and didn't just schluff over it and actually gives a shit, you know. Oh yeah, so Bruce said. Uh, so Steve, did you ask for the Hammond at Mammoth? I did indeed, um, and that was a uh, that was the first time that that's been included in the writer. Um, After our last tour, um, the last show that we played out in... Was it the last show? Maybe not. But um, the last time I used a real B3 on stage was at the Gavarnwinkle Festival on my birthday in 2019. uh, Which is amazing that that's going to be our first show back is the (laughs) Gavarnwinkle Festival um, this year. So... uh, And they have a B three there. I, I didn't realize that these festivals had backline Hammonds. And so I would never put it on the writer because we don't have it. So like if people were asking like, Oh, well, where's your Hammond? It's like, I don't travel with one. And so I'm not going to, you know, ask somebody to go and do it just for me. Um, but they had it lately. I've just been putting it on the writer on our stage writer. And, uh, and it was great, and they hit us up, and they were like, hey, so you're going to be using the Hammond, and then we also have a Nord Electro uh, 5 or something. I'm like, oh, I'll bring my own keyboard. I have my own sounds loaded up and stuff uh, for that. But yes, thank you for the Hammond. And they're like, what side of the stage you want it on? You still want it on stage left? I'm like, yeah. And that was just amazing. And she was beautiful and played like a dream, and uh, that, was, that was really special to be able to do that. So big, big shout-out to the Backline Company, uh that handled the mammoth of palooza um they kept that that beautiful machine in tip-top shape and it was a dream to play it was like butter yeah it sounded beautiful. great screaming yeah so i'm gonna keep putting that shit on the rider and if they hit me up and they're like we don't have one then i'll be like no problem <laughs> thanks for looking at it and giving me a call so
2: yeah yeah well nice what do we have coming up, guys? Not much until we go to Europe in
1: two or three weeks.
2: Yeah, we fly out at the end of August, right, which is crazy. Yep. We'll see what happens with COVID, but right now everything's like open, but who knows in a week, everything could change. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed, fingers crossed.
0: Amanda um, Davis and- has a wedding. <laughs> that's funny.
2: Um
1: and with that being said, if you do want to follow any of our tour dates or follow the band at all, you can find all of our information at www.robertjohnandthereck.com tour. That gives you all of our dates, whether you're in Europe or the United States. Um, and there's ticket links and all that sort of information there. Um, like Andrew said, we are leaving at the end of the month to go to Europe, hopefully safely and efficiently um, for about a month. Uh, featuring a two-week run in the UK, which we're very excited about. And then after that, we come back, and we're going to hit the States. We're going to be in the Midwest and in the South. Um, So if you guys have any friends uh, in either of those places, let us know. Um, We're excited to come to Europe. We're excited to hit the States. So all of that stuff, again, can be found at our website, www.robertjohnonthereck.com. And we also have a brand-new album coming out. Yeah, Shine a Light on Me, Brother, which is coming out Friday, September 3rd. We've been playing new songs from the album um, that seem to be going over very well. Uh, So uh, you can pre-order that uh, at our website as well. And there are limited-edition pre-order packages that include shirts and different cool accoutrements. Uh, Robert John and the Rex stuff. So, um, head over there, get a pre order package,
2: come out, see a show.
0: Yeah. Tell,
1: tell yeah, us you love us.
2: <laughs> we have a couple new videos and stuff coming up too. They're not going to probably not going to be released for the next couple of weeks, but we got a bunch of fun stuff going on. We talked about it, I think, on the last podcast or maybe the one before that. But uh, yeah, that stuff's done and uh, looking really good. So, we got a lot of stuff coming your way.
0: Yeah. So make sure yeah. to click all the links in the description below and uh, to play us out tonight. Uh, since we've been talking about them for a lot of this podcast, we are going to play a song from Dumpsta Funk's new record that came out this year, Where Do We Go From Here? And the song is called United Nations Stomp featuring Marcus King. And uh, we hope you enjoy and have a great week and be good to each other and get wrecked.